Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Good. Good to see you. Welcome to church and I want to welcome our guests that are with us. Can you join me and give them a clap? We're glad you came to be with us today. We want you to come back and make this your church home if you can. We'd love to see more of you. So we're in a series called Lean on Me. We'll jump back into that in just a minute. And um, I, I believe the Lord's got a good word for you today. But um, uh, there's a worldwide event happening tonight I want to let you know about. It's huge. It's, it's, it's significant. And I want you to tune in tonight around 7.30 because the Dallas Cowboys play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. And if you watch close enough, somewhere behind the Cowboys section, about midway up about the five-yard line, you're going to see your pastor just absolutely going crazy in the stands tonight. And so um, I need your prayers because I catch a flight today at 5.15. We land at 7.28. The game's at 7.30. So we need everything to work so I can be there to watch the Cowboys tonight. And so everybody say, go Cowboys. Oh, that was kind of weak. Some of you missed your moment. You missed it, but uh, it's all good. Oh, listen, uh, I want to talk today about Lean on me, our series we're, we're in. And the, the lyrics are so great. It's a powerful, really, like it's a moving song when you dig into the lyrics of it. But it says, you know, when you're not strong, I'll be your friend and I'll help you carry on. And so I want to know, can I be your friend today? Can I be your friend? I'd love to be your friend. Thank you over here. I got one person to be my friend. The rest of you, we'll talk later. You know, we'll work it out. Um, but no, listen, as your friend, though, I want to ask you uh, who or what, are you going to lean on when you're not strong? Like, what's, what's going to be your support system? How are you going to handle it? Or maybe I would ask you is, what can you do to stay strong? And so this brings me to my sermon title today, which is the benefits of the local church, because the church is God's plan for believers to be strengthened, to have a place to lean, a place to build back and equip our lives and support us. And so when you're disconnected from God's plan, the local church, then you miss out on all that God has for you in terms of building your life and strengthening you. And so today I want to just talk about the benefits of being part of a local church. Now, I want you to see that this is in the Bible. I'm not just making this up. Um, this is Ephesians chapter 122. And it says, God put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. I believe there are just some benefits that can only be experienced when you're part of a local church, when you participate in a local church. Now, I'm not saying that, that you can't be saved and, and God still, you know, he won't love you the same. I'm not saying that, but there's some uniqueness. There's some special mystery that comes together when people are in a local church together. And it, so it says that, that Christ has been made head over the church, all things, for the benefit of the church. And, and I just thought it was interesting that it didn't say for the benefit of an individual believer, though. Like, it's, you know, the, the Bible is, like, very intentional with its words, and it didn't say, you know, for the benefit of a, 
um, you know, maybe something like a, a, an animal rescue center. Now, listen I, I, listen, I think we ought to rescue little dogs and puppies. I, I'm, absolutely, I'm all for that. But that's not what this is talking about. It didn't say that, that you know, it's the, um, the benefit of a, of a local food pantry, which is great, but, but that's not what this is about. There's benefits that come with being part of a local church. And, and this has been like a, a little bit of a, a passion of mine for the last few weeks. If you've been here, you've probably like, I think I've heard you talking about that. And I'm just not finished talking about it because I just don't believe that, that our church is fully equipped in this, this area just yet. And um, so I just, I'm going to kind of touch on it again because I kind of had this epiphany not too long ago that, that there are way too many Christians who are disconnected from their church. There are way too many people who have walked away from church. I saw this uh, thread on Facebook, which is, uh, you know, always dangerous to, you know, go, go there, go in that hole. But, but someone had posted about how they were upset about their church and this, you know, something negative. And, and so there were like 250 comments about how they were all finished with organized religion. I mean, all of them. And I read it and it made me sad. I'm like, my goodness, there's so many people that are hurt and wounded and, and, and people that have experienced some negative thing and they've just, they've almost given up on the church, organized religion. And I saw comments like, one comment said, you know, well, I meet with Jesus at the coffee shop. I don't need a church. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad, coffee's pretty holy, you know, I mean, it's great, but, but I don't think that's going to be a replacement for a local church. One person wrote in there that I stopped attending church when I realized everyone there was hypocrites. And, and I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of true to be honest, because none of us are perfect. So in some fashion, we're all, you know, missing the mark. And so like, you know, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. So like, but, but that's not a reason to quit. Right. Um, one person said, I like church, but I don't have time for it anymore. And so I thought that was sad. One person wrote, and I, this is what I got the biggest kick out of, but they said, I stopped going to church because the pastors are all after my money and other people's wives. <laughs> I'm like, wow, what church did you go to? You know, that, that, <laughs> we don't do that here. <laughs> Listen, I want you to know, let me clarify. I'm not after your money and I have a wonderful wife that I love. All right. So we're good. So, um, so, you know, that's not your concern, but, but you know, there are just a lot of Christians who have lost the habit of church and, and well-meaning people and something has disrupted their, their habit. So maybe it was COVID at some point, maybe it was, you know, a, significant experience in their life. Maybe they had a baby and they just, they just lost the habit and, and they haven't returned. And, and all of that type of, of you know, people out of church, it, it's kind of burdening my heart as a, as a pastor shepherd. And, and I really don't want to see, you know, our church body not understand the value and the benefits of being part of a local body. Now, listen, God may transplant you out of here and, and, you know, fine. I, I'm okay with that. I, mean, I don't like it, but I'm okay with that. But I don't want you to not go somewhere else. I want you to get planted because, because God has blessings that come with it. Now, there are a lot of people that will quickly argue with me about the, the importance of being part of a local church. I mean, there was a whole thread on Facebook that would, 
would argue with me, but, but I want to let you know that I would argue that people absolutely need the local church. And I want you to know that I'm right. There's no argument, to be honest with you. you. Let me tell you the reality is, is the Bible actually says that. I mean, that's what the Bible says. So listen, you wouldn't be arguing with me. You'd be arguing with God. And I'll let you work that out on your own time. But here's what the Bible says. That as the scriptures say, it says, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And then it says, And this is a great mystery. Now, I think when they translated the Bible, I think that should have been a period, not a comma, because I think that belongs with the first statement. This is a mystery, how God brings men and women who are greatly different together, and they become one. I think of Harriet and I. I mean, you know, bless our hearts. We're like, we are way different in personality, way different. But God brought us together, and now we adore each other. We're like, you know, you, we, you can't separate us. We, we just think we're... We think we're great, whether y'all do or not. We think you're, we're great. And, and, and so it's just a mystery how God does that. But then it goes on to say, this is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. In other words, you cannot separate your walk with Jesus from the local church. They go hand in hand. They are one. And so today I just want to take a few minutes and remind us as a church body, equip us, teach us about the significance of being part of a local church. And then I promise next week I have a brand new topic for us. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 10, 19, back to our text that I was in last week. I'm going to read the first portion and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to read the second portion of scripture, but I'll let you know when it's your turn. Let me start. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Listen, that's really wordy. And it's, and it's rich in, in theology, but it's not easy to understand. So let me just kind of simplify that just a moment. What it is meaning is that because of Jesus, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, then when we trust and believe in Jesus as our Savior, then we are 100% forgiven of every sin, past, now, and future. And so we're forgiven. We are clean. The Bible uses a word, we're made righteous. We're made right before God. And so because of this righteousness before God, we have a way to know God personally. And so that's what that's all about. We have a way to know God personally. So then the verse goes on to say in verse 21, because of Jesus, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. All right, so that's my part. I'm going to ask you to read the next section of scripture. So I'll get us started and then you carry it on all the way till it's not on the screen anymore. All right, you ready? Here we go. This is me starting with you and then you take off. So one, two, three. Let us hold unswervingly.
Come on, give yourself a hand. <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are helping preach today. I love it. All right, so listen, the book of Hebrews. We don't know who wrote the book. This is the only book in the New Testament that it is unsure who the author is. But there is evidence to show that Hebrews, Hebrews was written about 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so there is a, a whole new generation of followers of Jesus that never had a firsthand experience of, of knowing Jesus in the physical form. They weren't there when he died and was resurrected back to life. And so they are relying on the testimonies and the stories of the original apostles and those original disciples that were with Jesus. And so they're in this this transition, this, this handoff season from we saw it happen. We have a conviction that Jesus died and rose again. And so they're telling the stories to the people in this book of Hebrews. Now, the people that saw it had a conviction. Like, I mean, if you see it, like there's no escaping what you've seen. The second generation did not have that experience. And because of that, they didn't have the same level of conviction to following Jesus and being connected in their church. For them, it was not conviction, but it was more of a convenience factor for them. And so they were working through that. Then all at the same time, there was a a great persecution that was coming against the church and the believers at that time. And so what was happening in the book of Hebrews right here is that this whole group of people were, were under persecution Therefore, they were falling away from the church. They didn't have a conviction about the significance of the church. And so they began to step away and walk away from church. And so the author says to them, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And it says, and all the more as you see the day approaching and all the more. Listen, what it's saying is, is the, the more difficult the day is, the more you need to meet together. The, the more problems and issues and the more culture goes the opposite direction, the more you need to gather in a local church. And so that is what the author is encouraging this group of believers is to not give up. They needed a friend to lean on. And this friend talked to them, encouraged them, maybe slightly corrected them about their lack of participation in church. Therefore, he said, do not give up meeting together. And so there's benefits, benefits that this author was teaching his church. And I want to just follow up with that today. And I want to help you see why we need to be participating in church. And the first thing I want to share with you today, as you're taking your notes, you can write this down, that I worship God in church. I worship God in church. Because of Jesus, the Bible said, let us draw near to God. That's Hebrews 10, 22. It said, because of Jesus, let us draw near. The way we draw near to God is in worship. Worship is what pulls us. It draws us to God. And this is a significant benefit in our life because everything else in the world is pulling us away from God. Everything pulls us away and we need to be drawn back 
to God. We need a consistent and regular pattern of being realigned and reoriented with God in our life. The Bible says, 1 John 2, 15, it says, do not love the world or anything in it. Listen, there is a potential and probably a probability that we can fall in love with things of the world. Like there are things that can draw our attention. There are things that demand our attention and, and it just pulls us away from our, our passion and our conviction of following God and being in a local church. So for the Hebrews, it was persecution that, that drew them away and, and pushed them out of church. For the American church, it's rain. <laughs> Listen, I'm not kidding you. I'm not, if it rains real hard, attendance goes way down. Now, if you're at the beach, if you live in the beach, it's not rain, it's sunshine. Like if it's real sunny, then attendance goes down. Do you know what pastors in Wilmington pray for on Saturday night? We say, Lord, let them forecast a little bit of rain, but don't let it rain. Just let it be overcast so that everybody will be like, well, I can't go to the beach. And so I might as well go to church. It's kind of an awkward laugh, but it's probably true more than we want to admit it. The reality is that from Monday through Saturday, we encounter so many things that demand our attention and good things, let me say, but so many things. And life is so busy. Life is so uh, hectic. We have a pace that's just, it's just light speed today. And, you know, as parents, you're raising young children and it's like, that's so demanding and just trying to just handle parenting and then you throw in school and homework and, and, and I get it. That's a, that's a, it's a huge task and, and some people are working, you know, extra jobs right now just to, to handle the, the cost of living and, and so that, that puts great demands on our life and just pulls our attention Marriages sometimes are, are up and down and in those struggle seasons, then it demands our attention. And then, you know, you add in maybe a health setback in some way, it demands our attention. And uh, if, you're in, if you're in college or high school or middle or even elementary school, there's homework for, the, for you. And so like you have to give it your attention. And like in, in our culture today, like over the last five years, there's more people that are depressed now than, than there were four or five years ago. Like it's, it's tough and, and people are stressed about so many things. You can feel the anxiety. Like people just walk around with it in a level they haven't had before in the past. And, and if you watch the news, it's not uplifting. You don't watch the news and walk away and go, man, I feel better today. Like it just, it does, like so, there's so much that is, that is distracting us and, and, and demanding our attention. Therefore, I make this as a point. Coming to church and worshiping recenters our life and it reorients our life back to Jesus because everything has pulled us away. We need that experience where we, we let go of the world and say, God, I need to remember how great you are. God, I need to, to feel your presence again. And God, I need to, to be centered where my life is, is you know, under your authority and, I, and I'm serving you. Worship draws us back to God when everything else has pulled us away. We need to worship. 
The busier, the busier your life is and the more stressed your life is, all the more we need church and worship and we need to be drawn back to God. We need to come into his presence. The Bible says in Psalm 16, 11, it says that in your presence is the fullness of joy. The whole time you're living from Monday through Saturday, it's draining you. It is pulling at you. The demands of life, the demands of work and parenting and, and all that's going on, it just, it just drains us and, and it's just a natural you know, happening and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's why we need to regularly and consistently show up at church where we get to be realigned and filled again by his presence and the fullness of his joy. Listen, if you want to live a joy-filled life, if you want to live a peaceful life, then you need to worship because in his presence, he refills us again. What it does though, is it not only fills us up from what we drained out in the week before, but it gives us the power and the anointing for the week to come. We need worship. Can I get a good amen out of that? And I want to just say to you that worship requires your participation. Listen, we are here, the church, the worship team is here to facilitate worship, but they don't worship for you. And so it requires your participation. Things like clapping your hands. Like, do you know that that's a, a biblical expression of worship to clap your hands? Not like, you know, like I'm going to go to the Cowboys game today and, and, you know, and, and, you know, they're, we're going to score a touchdown and I'm going to beat right at that end zone. And listen, I'm going to clap my hands, right? I'm not going to do a golf clap either. You know, I'm not doing this. That's, that's for golf. It's going to be like, wow, you know, and I, I don't know. I'm probably leaving my shirt on, but you know, but like, I'm going to be tempted to go crazy. You know, like I'm, I've never been to a Cowboys game down in Dallas. So it's going to be, you know, insane. You know, I'm thinking, you know, paint my face. I don't know what's going to happen, but, but listen, I'm going to clap my hands. And you know, when you are in worship and we start clapping our hands, it's because we're celebrating that Jesus died for my sins and I have been forgiven. I have been given a new life. I have been redeemed. I have been set free and I have eternity in front of me all because of Jesus. And that's worth a clap that's greater than anything that's going to happen in Dallas today. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Woo! Come on, give it a clap. So in worship, there's moments you need to clap. Like it ought to be an eruption out of this church. Like, you know, it ought to be like that moment you feel, you know, when it's time to clap and wow, we do it. Also, we need to express the lyrics and the words with our, with our words, with our, our singing. And, and, and listen, I am the most absolute and by far the worst singing person in this church. I have got it. I'm the low, I'm the low denominator in the church. I bring us down. That's why I sit on the front row so nobody can hear me. I though exercise make a joyful noise. I'm like, that verse was so for me. It's just noise up here. But it somehow is joyful to God, right? But listen, we are to sing. We are to use our voice and declare God's goodness. 
And you know what? Your words have the power of life and death in them. And when you sing the promises of God, you're singing his promises right back over your life. When you sing about how great God is, then you are exalting him above every problem in your life and you make him bigger, your problems can be solved. You go like, oh, God can do it. But you have to use your voice. So we clap for celebration, we sing for declaration, we lift our hands for adoration. He deserves our worship. He's worthy, we sang worthy today. He's worthy, worthy of his name. We should give honor, we should give glory back to God because he's worthy. To be honest with you, if, if, if there was no other reason to come to church, it's for you to say, God, I came to honor you. I came just because you are worthy and I want to present myself before my God. And we lift our hands. There ought to be a moment in service, every hand in the building's up. Not just because it looks good and you know, and you can see all the hands up. It's because God deserves your worship. He deserves your worship. You have to say, I love you. I worship you. Worship demands your participation for it to draw you back into his presence and be a benefit to you. Amen? Amen? Moving on. Next benefit I want to share with you is I find my community in church. I find my community. So the Bible back in Hebrews, again, said, let us hold unswervingly. Unswervingly is like white-knuckled holding on, like I'm holding on to my hope. I'm holding on to my faith. And it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And I want to, to say to you that I believe that we find much strength and much support through Christian relationships in our life. We need community. We need people that we can talk to. People who will will hear our stories and share our lives with. We need community. And one of the greatest strengths that you will find in your life that will help you hold on to the faith are godly friends in your life. We need to be around people that will pray for us. We need to be around people who will celebrate our good days and, and encourage us when we feel down. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, it says that we should bear one another's burdens. We should bury our burdens. In other words, we should carry our burdens. We should help each other when people are down. A vital part of our church's strategy to help people be connected are our life groups. And we have launched life groups just in September. So this is a perfect time for you to hear a message about being connected because there's still time for you to find groups to get involved in and be connected. But a life group will connect you. It will, it will put you in a place where you can get to know people and you can bear one another's burdens together. A life group, in a life group, you actually find someone to lean on. Like that's the, the lean on me. That, that's the, the greatest place for you to lean in and, and lean on and have people to be able to lean on you. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. In other words, when we're together, we make each other stronger and sharper together. We are able to, in a, in a small group, in a, in a life group, we're able to encourage one another. Did you know there is so much of the Bible that you cannot do outside of re Christian relationships? 
because it is full of one another's. Pray for one another, um, to lift up, encourage one another, to serve one another. All those require you being involved in a church. And so we need to, we need to be in a place where people can pick us up and, and pray and, and, you know, and speak life over our lives. We need to be in a position to where, where if we're down and maybe we're going through a crisis or if we're sick and there are people that would surround you and pray for you and help you through that and bring you meals and, and be a part of your life when you're going through those places. You need people that you can text and, and it's on Tuesday and, and you can say, hey, I just want to let you know this is, I'm getting ready to go into an important meeting. Would you pray for me? You need that. We need that kind of connection that, that strengthens our life. And this is the way God intended for the church to operate. It's great to come on Sundays. We should. But we also need the connection of relationships. We all need community. We all need connection. And unfortunately, I can't be the only one who knows you and prays for you. Listen, I would love to be, but I cannot be spread that thin. I can't be a good friend to hundreds and hundreds of people. And the, the Bible never intended for me to be that. The Bible never intended for, for one pastor or one team to try to cover all the needs of the church. We are told in Ephesians 4.11, it says, these are the gifts that God gave the church. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The responsibility is to equip all of God's people to do the work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. And so it's God's plan for all of us to be connected so that we can build each other up when people are down. Amen? So the more you're connected in a community, the more the church feels like a family to you, the more support you have. But I want to give you this as a, as a heads up, an FYI. It takes work to get connected. It just takes work. It, it's just not easy to always just find that friend. It's just not easy. I mean, so many people just totally, I, I'm going to be funny with this, but some people think, you know, like, I need the, the Life Church Ferry that, that would cause my BFF to come sit right beside me in church and we have this random conversation and go, hey, who's your favorite football team? And they say the Cowboys and you go, well, me too. You know, where do you live? I live in Leland. Wow, I live in Leland. Do you have children? Yeah, my children are the same age. Let's be best friends. It never works that way. <laughs> never. The person sitting beside you, they're, they're from Ogden. They're not from Leland. You know what I'm saying? They're like it never works that way. So you have to work at it. You actually have to sign up for a group and go to it and sit in a room or in some place with a group of people you don't know and go, hey, my name's Tim. I'm a believer. I'd love to get to know you. And then you ask them questions. You say, where are you from? Oh, cool. What's your favorite football team? Cool. Uh, you know, you just start talking. You just work it out. And then somewhere along the way, you do this enough times and you find somebody out there that somewhat connects with you. And then you take, you know, you, you take the next step with you. You go, you know what? Hey, I kind of like you. Why don't you and I grab coffee? So, you know, two guys go to the coffee shop. You get to know each other a little deeper. You get to talk a little bit more. Do you know it's okay for you all to like go hang out outside of church? 
Like some people think that, you know, somehow the church is supposed to, to you know, magically make all your friendships happen. And, and we can't do that. It takes work. And then, then what's going to happen is you're going to go to coffee with this dude and you go like, hey, man, you're pretty cool. And then something's going to happen. You go, wow, we don't get along so well anymore. And then you go back to square one. You start all over again. But I want to say to you that if you, what, listen what the Bible said, do not give up meeting together. Listen, you got to work at this thing. But if you will not give up, I promise you at some point, you will make the connections, the friendships, and this church will become more than a place you attend. It will become a place of family and connection, a place where your needs are met and, and people care about you. But you'll have to work at it. Amen? All right. Do not, do not give up meeting together. It's worth the work. And here's the last point for today. Well, point and a half. Amazing reason to participate in church is I serve with purpose in church. I serve with purpose. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 23 and 24, but in verse 24, skip into that verse, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us consider. In other words, let us, let us just think about this for a minute. Let, let's come up with ideas. I like this. Like, let's consider ways. Like, Let's, let's, let's ponder, how many ways can I come up with helping people jump in church and love each other and serve one another? Like, how can we come up with so many ways to do that? I mean, that's the concept here is like, we should be out here thinking about how can I love and how can I serve in my church more and more? The motivation for serving is always out of love and we love others and we want to see other lives changed and so we serve in our church. And it's beautiful because when Many people, the majority of the people serve in church. When the majority serve, then, then everyone gets served. When only a few people serve, then the, the load is too heavy for just a few and people burn out. And so the Bible says that we're supposed to all serve, serve in a purpose, serve in a way that, that is meaningful to you. We believe that at Life Church, serving is not a duty, it's, it's a ministry. It's not like something you just have to do. It's part of an expression of ministry. Because when you are, as an example, serving on the greeting team, and you're out there at the carport out there, and you're holding the door for people, you're doing more than just holding a door in the humid air. You are, you are welcoming people. You are causing guests to feel welcomed so that when they come into the environment for worship, they feel accepted. They feel like this is a place for them. People have, there's been research that people make their decision whether or not they're going to like a church before the service ever begins based on what happens at the doors out there. So it's ministry what we do. We're all in ministry together. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are God's handiwork. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. I believe the church thrives best when there is powerful worship, I believe the church thrives when there are thriving life groups and people are connected and when people serve one another. It says in Ephesians 4.16 that he makes the whole body fit together. Like that's what we're supposed to do. You're a part of a church body and we are to fit together. And it says as each part, as each person does their own special work, it helps all the parts grow. And that's a beautiful thing. The whole body, it says, is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's the goal for us as a church body, that we all participate 
and we all do our part, and it makes an amazing place to be a part of. Now, I want to say to you that I understand that some of you are going through seasons that are difficult to participate, and I want to, like, take the pressure off some of that. I know I, I preach it strong at times, and, and, and that's good, and the Bible, you know, says that we're supposed to participate, but there are some seasons, maybe when your health isn't right, maybe you just had a child or something like that, and and, and, and listen, God understands that. Like God's not like putting pressure on you. And I mean, you get your season of rest and, and, and we understand that as a church, as you know, we're not trying to put that kind of pressure on you. As a matter of fact, I want you to know that we care way more about you as a person than what you can do for the church. And so we're here to love you. And so if it's not the season, we get it. So no pressure. But I would ask you to do this. If you're in that season, just to ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, in what way can I benefit my church? In what way can I be a blessing? And maybe for you, uh, maybe if you have a young baby at home and you just can't, you know, get here to serve and, and, and that's all good, but maybe on Saturday night you can pray for your church. Maybe you're somebody that can invite people to church. There's always a way. I believe if you ask the Holy Spirit for a way that you can help, I believe he'll show you. Amen? So, the author of Hebrews strongly encouraged people. Like it was, he's like, do not give up. Do not. It, it was a, it was like a, a strong encouragement. Do not give up meeting together. <clears throat> the average Christian today attends in church once or twice a month. And they consider that regular attendance. They consider that regular. They consider that to be, I'm connected. And I don't think that's what the Bible means when it talks about regular attending and, and not giving up meeting together. I believe the Bible teaches us that we should be more consistent than that. And well, let me, let me put it like this, because I think most everybody knows what regular means. They just don't apply it the same way. But if I were to say to you and you had a job and you worked all month long and your boss only paid you for half that work, you wouldn't like that, would you? You're like, oh, that's only half. Like, so like if you worked four weeks and he only paid you for two weeks and, and the boss said, I'm calling that regular. You'd be like, that's not regular. You owe me. Like, so we know what regular is. We just sometimes don't apply it in church. And I want to say to you that regular has, has you know, implications in your life that, that if you are consistent, then, then you have the ability to, to consistently be drawn back to God and to, to understand that the world has nothing to offer you, but you can be realigned and you have a place to where people are, are in your life and you build those relationships through consistency and then you're able to serve others. And I believe that's so important to us. I want to define for you what I believe regular means. Regular means the over majority. The overwhelming. Now, listen, I'm not saying that, you know, you're, you're going to be here every week. You're going to have vacations and, and I get it. And that's, that's normal. You're going to go on vacation. You have a job that, that puts you in a place where you have to work some. And, and listen, I am not going to be a legalistic church and I'm not going to chase you down and go, where were you last week? You know, we're not taking attendance and we're not doing any of that. I'm just saying that, that from your heart and understanding what the Bible says about church, that the overwhelming majority, the habit of your life ought to be I attend church very consistently. And so my heart today, church, is that, that you would love church, that you would love it. You would love the, the church that Jesus is the head of. He calls us the bride of Christ. But why? Not for my benefit, but it's, it's for your benefit. It, it's for my benefit. I, I come, I mean, 
I'm a little bit paid to come, I guess. I don't know how that works out all the time. But, uh, but listen, I would come even if I wasn't because I love this place. I mean, I love church. And, and I want to be a part of a local body. People pray for me and I'm part. Like I get to be a part. Y'all minister to me as well. And so I just want you to know that, that church is for you and it's so great and it will benefit your life. And I want to encourage you as the writer Hebrews did because he said, you know, don't, don't neglect, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And he said, encourage one another. And so I'm encouraging you. And he said, all the more, all the more. And so I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in the world half the time, but, but all the more we need each other. And so that's my encouragement to today. What's your next step? Maybe your next step is to make a fresh commitment to church. Maybe it's like, you know what? That's for me today. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna become regular in my attendance. And maybe that's for you and God bless you. That's between you and God. Maybe your next step though is, is, is to begin a relationship with, with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're like, wow, this is all brand new information to me, but um, I don't even know where to begin. And I wanna tell you where to begin. On the screen, you're gonna see that, that you are loved by God. So I don't, I never know the, the different backgrounds and stories of people. They're beautiful to hear at times. I love to hear people's testimonies and they say, well, my life was like this and maybe it was messy in this way or I was a part of this. And, 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 then, and then Jesus came into my life and he began to change me and he began to transform me. And now my life is like this. It's a beautiful story. And so I don't know where your before story is for some of you. But I want you to know that we all had that before. And that before story is, is we've all sinned. And that is what separated us from God. The, the cross though is what changes everything for us. Because Jesus died on the cross. It means that the sin and the punishment that I had, the punishment that I deserved, Jesus took upon himself. And at the cross, he paid for my sins so that I am free. I am, I am forgiven and I'm righteous before God. And the only way to become righteous before God is by believing in Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we do. We accept this gift of eternal life. And if you're here today and you've never begun that relationship, I want this to be your day. And so I'm going to ask you to everyone to bow your heads. And if there's anyone in the house today that would say, Pastor Tim, I want to begin a relationship. I have a before, but I want to begin and have an after story. If you want your sins forgiven, would you do me a favor, just while we're all sitting here quiet, a precious moment together. And you wanna be saved today, you want your sins forgiven, would you raise your hand to me real high in the air? I'd love to see it. It's just me and you. I see your hands. Is there anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. I see several hands. Let's all pray this together. You can put your hand down. Everybody pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus and thank you for loving me even when I didn't deserve it. I turn to Jesus for forgiveness of my sins. I receive it. I am saved. I am redeemed. I am righteous. Would you fill me with your spirit so that I can serve you all the days of my life in Jesus name. Amen, church.